Yep. All right. And you're on the right side of the frame, is that good? Yeah, that's fine. Wait. I'm good. Check, check, check. Whoa. There we go. Yeah, we're cooking. We're that's, cooking now. That's looking good. Uh, welcome back to the... Oh, I'm hot. Whoa. Welcome. The gain on my mic is all the way back. Well, it's all the way up, I mean. Is that bad? Should we pull it off or distort? Be back just a, just a hair. Yep. Yeah, that looks good. All right. How am I? I'm low, man. How am I? How am I? How 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 am I now? Welcome back to the two top. Welcome back to welcome welcome back to the two top podcast. Uh, I I don't think I can ever win. That's it's fun. an ongoing battle, every single time. Welcome back to the two top podcast. There we go. Wow. Welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. Welcome back. Hey, Thomas, how's it feel to be supported by our fans? Uh, it'd feel really good if they saw the wide that we didn't turn on. Oh. Should just uh, start when you... And we're filming? Are we filming on there, too? Yeah. Is the... Um, How's that angle? There we go. Is that is that camera feeding directly into your computer? Um, I can, but right now I'm just doing it to the card. Okay. Shouldn't be a problem. They no. should keep it awake plugged in the computer, right? Yes. All right. Well, welcome back to Two Top. Welcome back. Uh thank you to all our Patreons. We've been getting a lot more these past couple days. Uh but now we're halfway through October. Oh yeah. Well, not even. It's like the first week. <laughs> yeah. But it's, what's today? The tenth. It's the tenth. But Matt, you know what's great about two top is every time we come with two topics. This time, my topics on a flash drive and handwritten notes at the same time. Ooh. And you know, I wasn't a big. I didn't play with that many toys as a kid. Like I enjoyed toys, but I wasn't playing like GI Joe or playing with dolls all the time. Who were you playing with? Ah, uh, wait. I know what I was playing with when I was little. I was a Lego guy. I don't know. If I, I was I was a big Lego guy as well. But actually, what we're going to talk about is that term I just said, G.I. Joe. Oh, G.I. Joe. Okay. I know, the, I know the modern rendition movies. Interesting, right? <laughs> so, G.I. Joe, he's been around over 40 years at this point, 45-ish. They always come up with anniversaries because they had their 12-inch classic figures and then their 3.5-inch figures. And then they had some 8-inch figures in there. But Action figures. That's the core of what G.I. Joe is, right? They're very specific. They are action figures. They're not dolls. They're not like fashion dolls. Not play figures. They're like they're, action they're figures. action figures. Like if someone put a definition of action figure... In the dictionary, there would be a picture of G.I. Joe next to it, right? That's, that's what they stand by. That's correct. So the thing is, G.I. Joe, it's it's an action figure, and it's it's getting movies now, but, I mean, they're flopping. The sequel to the first movie has was pushed back 
more and more and more and more. Yeah. But let's go back to the roots. G.I. Joe it came out in the time of 1963 from Hasbro. And this is in return to Mattel at the time doing Barbie. Oh, so they are kind of direct competitors, but they're completely different. Dolls, action figures, right? But they're one was created to Mattel and uh, Hasbro, right? Yeah, and the thing Interesting. is, thing is though, Mattel was rolling in it. They could barely keep up with the Barbie dolls in the early 1960s, and so its competitor Hasbro was like, "We need to get into this market, but we can't do." dolls, fashion dolls for boys. Boys aren't interested in that. So we'll create action figures. So they create the G.I. Joe. Cool. The G.I. stands for government issue Joe. Oh, I never knew that. That's interesting. That's cool. That's like stereotypical government issue, military, blah, blah, blah. So model. it was originally the plan was to have a figure for each branch of the military but after the 1945 film the story of gi joe it was eventually like well we'll just make him government issue joe yeah and he had different outfits for his different adventures different camos different tools right yeah because what it was is you had the doll and then you had all the the outfits and the things it was a generic doll but the stuff you added the accessories is where's the money at yeah, the exa- you can buy separate accessories, right? Right. Yeah. But you still, essentially, it's a doll. You know, dolls are for guys and girls, right? But you said it's action figure. There's a difference. Yes. So, G.I. <laughs> Joe, it was, a, it was a massive success, and Hasbro expanded its line throughout the 60s, reimagining Joe as an astronaut, deep-sea diver, Green Beret. And because of the American involvement in the um, Vietnam War, it kind of uh, it kind of lowered the enthusiasm for a war-clad warrior because, you know, kind of Vietnam War, people like protesting, anti-war movements. Oh, so people took the G.I. Joe as positive or negative? Uh, at the time of the Vietnam War, way. yeah, it could have gone either way. But but it be- was a topic in everyone's minds, so it was obviously something very relevant, right? Yeah, and because of this outcry, G.I. Joe was given an honorable discharge by Hasbro. So oh, they, okay. So they rebranded him as... The Adventures of G.I. Joe, which was more of a adventure rolling guy who went on like deep sea adventures to the moon. He had a kung fu grip that let him hold on to things. He was a space traveler. He did he did more than just fight in the military. He was just an action TV. Was it a show? Um. No, actually, uh, it never really got a sh- show in the beginning. But over in the time, beginning, it okay, did, yeah. yeah. We'll get to the show, but that comes a little later in the history. But at the core, they would sell these these packages with different different adventures, right? Yes. Unrelated so, to war, specifically. So, at the time, it was getting popular. They had their large, foot-tall figures, and they shrunk it down to the smaller figures. And G.I. Joe was actually... Here's a little circle of life story for you. So, G.I. Joe was licensed out to England and Japan, and the Japan t- company... Takara, uh, they took advantage of the body mold and they created a see-through figure that had like cyborg guts in it, kind of like robot Terminator thing. And due to oil prices rising, they shrank the doll down to make oh, less plastic <laughs> to make these Microman figures, which were the same aspect, which then led to their Diacom figures, which were transforming robot vehicles. 
Wait a minute. Which were then licensed to Hasbro across the ocean to now grow we... the G.I. Joe line with another supplemental property so they could get more revenue. So Transformers... Yeah, I was just going to say, there, thus Transformers is born. Transformers was born from G.I. Joe through this whole chain that then ends up back at Hasbro. Wow, that's interesting. Who would have guessed? Yeah, robot transforming vehicles into humans <laughs> or into fighting creatures. So the thing is, though, G.I. Joe, um, something happens in the 80s. You know what happens in the 80s? I feel like they got really popular in the 80s, right? Yeah, but you know why? Everybody's getting into Star Wars figurines as well. Oh, so figurines were a big thing. So in 1942, uh, Joe had Star Wars coming in, and the the sci-fi flight gave America an appetite for action figures once more. So this is when Hasbro comes in with scaled-down G.I. Joe line to capitalize on the trend. Instead of a single character, there's a whole battalion of G.I. Joe soldiers with specific backstories, signature weapons, and code names like Scarlet and Snake Eyes. Oh, And a yeah. new Emery Cobra. Yeah. The Cobra Commander. And this was actually all in works with Marvel Comics, who they were writing the stories as well. And okay, with so there's figures first, then intro comics. Yes, yeah, so then comics, which then the media. The, um, TV show. TV show, yeah. yeah. It was interesting, and though, movies. because <laughs> there was a lot of rules at the time that about advertising action figures to kids on commercials. So what they did is they advertised the comics because there's no rules for advertising comic books. Yeah. But the comic books were about the action figures. Would they just introduce the... I, I feel like I've seen these commercials when I was younger, but obviously I wasn't growing up in the 80s. But would they have these like action, the comic book commercial, and then at the end of it, they would just flash to an image of like this playset? They would flash to the image of the comic book because if they showed the playset, then it would it would be considered a toy ad. Oh. But I mean, it pretty much was a toy ad. But... Breaking some rules. Hope we don't get working caught. with Marvel. They got this whole cast of characters, Snake Eyes, and all, all these guys. And now it's kind of like a deeper story for Joe's. And it had animated shows. And now it had its first um, animated GI Joe movie, which was in 1987. And that's kind of where it peaked. It really peaked in the 80s, and it's been kind of around in its own way ever since. So in the early 90s, they re reintroduced their 12-foot figure. Like, one thing we have to say about G.I. Joe is they really love callbacks. So in, to, in the 1990s, when they released their large figures again, it was in, like, a 30-year anniversary of the first figures. And then when there's 30-year anniversary to the small figures, they'll do something for that, too. And then they'll do a 50-year anniversary for the big ones. It's a lot of marketing a lot of their toys go to people who collect them at this point it's not so much <laughs> kids playing with them yeah. it's the collectors and the nostalgia so grown adults collecting them like even in the article in 2008 the classic 1964 figures were released to um capitalize on the baby boomers nostalgia and they were bought right yeah they were yeah it's just how you get it so some of the original vintage uh, G.I. Joes were released, and they were very expensive and very rare. And there's even a rare G.I. nurse from 1967, which is the earliest and the least successful G.I. Joe figure produced. But it's went, rare, right? It went for $6,000 in an auction. So 
$6,000 for an action figure. And like the early figures to collectibles, they all can go around that price in good condition. Are they considered like first editions kind of? Yeah. Based on, yeah, I figured. I'm not into the trade, but I'm sure I'm sure there are people who are digging through things to find those guys. So at the time now, where we are, where are we today with Joe? Well, uh, ten years ago he had a very bad CGI movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, then where are we with Joe? Where's Joe today? It's like those celebrity things. Where are they now? <laughs> and then, and then, in like a couple around. 10 years ago they also did a um they did a flick that didn't sit very well either uh the rise of of, the rise of cobra i yeah. believe yeah that flopped there was supposed to be a sequel with the rock and vin diesel and um that has been postponed indefinitely oh, it sounds like it at this point <laughs> so maybe it's not it's, it's similar to transformers yeah Transformers, I mean, the movie's kind of kicked off because it's giant robots fighting, uh, but the American hero of G.I. Joe, it, it never really fully caught the modern millennial eyes, but there are rumors that they're going for a millennial push for new millennial action figures. Oh. But nothing, I haven't seen anything of it yet. When, when you say millennial action figures, do you mean action figures that cater toward the millennials, things that they find they're familiar with? Like, yeah, like kids who play Fortnite nonstop these days. Like, playing going to be them. like a gamer action figure? Is that what you're telling me? Who knows? Maybe. Any, might, anything to relate them, right? Yeah, I mean, in this day and age, you really have to play to what you have. And, well, kids are enjoying their games. I mean, you see these cross-platforms of, like, digital computer games where they have a figure, but then they actually have the action figure in real life, you know, that corresponds to the, the game. Yeah. But that hasn't been, like, super popular, right? Yeah, I don't know how popular action figures are today. I feel like they've had a steady decline. And, I mean, G.I. Joe is the iconic boy's action figure. The only thing that's really cool for action figures that, that I think of is is when you can get a custom action figure catered to you. I'd love a custom action figure. I would love one also. I think I think there are companies out there that do that, and then you can give them what you want might be a little weird. It would be weird, but it's still cool. If if I was at some successful level, I would like someone to give me an action figure of myself. That would be crazy. That would be wild. I, I wouldn't be opposed. But that's why I have for G.I. Joe's. So government issue Joe. Government issue Joe. I never knew that. That's really interesting. And it's interesting that Transformers kind of spurred from G.I. Joe. I mean, they're totally in the same ballpark. Yeah. I mean, it's 80s action toys. 80s action toys. Well, I, earlier than that. 60s, right? Late 60s? 60s is when it started, and then it really hit its stride in the 80s, yeah. But hey, I mean, it's pretty cool. But we're going to take a pause right now, and we have um, we have some messages to say about our, uh, not our sponsors, but I'd say our lovely patrons. We have yeah. some shout-outs to give. Our generous donors and benefactors. If Matt, do you have the list if you want to read through our all list. our new ones? I'm pulling it up right here. Um, the ones not highlighted are the ones that need shout outs. So we'd like to give a shout out to Leland Lance. Uh, that's grandpa. Hey, thanks grandpa. <laughs> grandpa, uh, always love him when you help out and then uh, sticking in the family tree. Then we go dad. Thanks dad. Thanks dad. Oh man. Dad. <laughs> you know, it looks really good when you have your whole family. <laughs> Well, the cool thing is with the family, there's some good communication going on, and we have some very, very cool episodes in the works here. 
for we us. have a, a lot of things planned based yeah. off of what we've been talking about and what some of family members have been wanting to see. And then we also have uh, another donation from uh, Mimi. She's my aunt. Your aunt. Yeah. <laughs> Belgian aunt. I'll be seeing her soon. And uh, thank you so much for the support. But now, we love uh, you guys. Let's get back into our episode. Uh, How are we doing? Well, you, I'm going to uh, hit start. You can start talking. I'm going to reset these. Your camera's now recording if you want to start. Yeah, okay, Thomas. Uh, bear with me here. I've been sick for a little bit, so I got a uh, little congestion here. But, um, you know, this week is midterms week, and I happen to be in a teaching class. It's like a teacher one-on-one class, basically how to be a teacher. So you talk about different teaching methods. So I was looking into some of the methods and this idea of, of memory and how the brain remembers things came up in my head. And I'm like, well, are there different ways to remember things? How, how does long-term memory work? Why, how does it affect developing minds? So we look into these different processes and, and scientists give them names to remember. There's no definitive explanation, chemical explanation of how the brain perceives this information but we observe how it's perceived not not why it's perceived the way it is good yeah i like that camera angle better you like this angle straight on so today we're going to be talk about talking about information processing um sensory working and long-term memory are the uh memory that we're going to be talking about today i have a terrible short-term and long-term memory i can't remember anything well off the top of your head what are some senses that help you remember things like think think poetically almost smell smells a very nostalgic thing smell exactly that's 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 a key one what else um probably taste taste is a good one yeah I mean, more basic seeing things and hearing things are the are the main ones. Yeah, the biggest. So we're looking at inf- information processing models. The human brain is similar to a computer. We get input from the environment, we process it, and we output decisions. So it's just like a computer. And later, I want to talk about RAM. Do you know what RAM is? On Random a access memory. Yeah, the brain has that to some extent for that short term memory. So the first input we're going to be talking about, which it's sensory memory. This is also sometimes called the sensory register. This is where you first interact with information that your environment is giving you. So it's like a temporary register or that RAM. Um, Your senses take it in through, you know, feeling, um, seeing, hearing, smelling, but it's, it's primarily two senses, seeing and hearing. So these seeing and hearing methods have two names. So there's within sensory memory, there's iconic memory, which is, what do you think that one is? Uh, iconic. Is it based off like things you see? Yeah it's, yeah, it's sight memory. And then there's echoic memory, which is, what do you think that is? Uh, uh, hearing. Yeah, yeah, hearing things. So they're, they're the most important things. So these, these two methods of sensory memory um, actually have different levels of how much, how much they work toward your brain remembering things. So do you, just a little survey, do you think that seeing things is a better way to remember things other than hearing things just in the moment not we're not talking about long term we're talking about sensory memory the immediate environment to brain memory yeah i think it's uh it plays a pretty pretty big part like for you when you're in the environment when you see something does it stick in your head longer than than hearing something or does something like ring in your head yeah it does because i feel like a lot of memories are built off of that a memory is 
a combination of the things you saw, the things you heard, the things you smell. Exactly. It's a combination. And there's actually, uh, they call it like a manager inside of your head to manage the, the combination of input. But we're going to get to that in a minute. So visual information is in- incredibly vivid, but it only lasts for less than half a second in the moment when you see something. You look at something, you remember it for half a second, and then it's gone until you look at it again. You know, that's just the immediate perception of something. Auditory information, on the other hand, it lasts longer for about three to four seconds. So that's why I'll pose an example. You're in a conversation with your friends. You're talking about something. You zone out. You look at your your Pebble smartwatch. You're like, oh, geez, I got a text. You're still listening in the back of your head. You hear something. And that's why they can be like, Thomas, Thomas. And then you look up and you're like, yeah, yeah, the test, the answer was 47. Like you heard that in your head. You're able to snap back into it. So you can thank your echoic memory in the sensory system to remember that. You can trust your hearing more than your vision. Isn't that weird? Yeah. But, you know, I feel like the ideas of I think I heard that or I heard something like that is a more common phrase that I've seen that. I think I've seen that before. I've seen that. Yeah, that's that is a common phrase. But honestly, it's the combination. You haven't seen it. You've you've perceived it right. would be a better phrase. You, I've perceived that before because it's a combination. But it, it, science prove has proven that hearing is more effective than seeing. In the moment. Sensory memory. Where does smell fall on that scale? Smell and something like taste are more for the long-term memory. Because those are things that you grow accustomed to. Like if you like chocolate growing up, you're always going to like it for the rest of your life. That's something that just sticks with you. It's almost chemical by nature in a way. I guess it's like uh, a nostalgia feel of the taste. Nostalgia is a huge concept when it comes to memory. Because nostalgia is like a powerful... It takes you back to a specific moment or feeling, and that feeling can be recalled for the future. That's like a long-term memory. That's not in the moment. So now we're branching up. So we have sensory environment to brain interaction, sensory memory. Now we're working into working memory. So working memory is whatever you're thinking about right at this moment, and it's short-term, similar to the RAM. Working memory capacity works a little bit differently, but it's not defined by time as much as quantity. So let's talk about the number seven. What do you think's important about the number seven? Like there's gambling. It's like a good number to go with. Yeah, it's a, perceived as a lucky number. It's uh, used in gambling a lot. Uh, Funny thing is seven is also the number that your brain can remember quantity up to precisely. So that's why, I mean, we had an episode about f- the phone, you know, party lines and everything. Phone numbers used to be seven digits because they thought that's all the brain could remember precisely and now they've moved it up to 10 and it's 10 and we can remember phone like you know your phone number you know probably your home phone number you know i think i know four phone numbers in life i probably know four five but i get i get some wrong maybe it's hard memory is hard but there are different methods to remember things so your working memory can hold about seven plus or minus two so it can either go from um, five to like nine pieces of information to remember vividly, which is actually true. Um, So that's why these phone numbers started out as seven digits long, but then there are methods, and I can't think of the exact name of the method, but have you heard about a man who was able to remember, not the most digits of pi, I think, it was just a random amount of numbers, random order, by using association of the brain to remember he closes his eyes and he can think of rooms and the numbers are in each room. And that way you can memorize. This could be a whole podcast on its own, these memory devices. Like there's tricks to... There's tricks to memorizing things. And that's where this this concept of my, my teaching class, you can literally 
not that you're tricking students to learn things, but in a sense, you're tricking students to learn things and not let them forget. Right. So there's main things. Some methods are like repetition is a huge one. Just repeating it. Just mus- It's almost muscle memory, but for your brain. Another one is um, really strange, strange association, such as like, I don't know, if you think of like, okay, that's a 50 millimeter lens and I want to remember that's a 50 millimeter lens. It's round and it looks like a pancake. I'm going to remember it's a pancake and I associate pancake with 50 millimeter lens. And that's pretty random, right? And so that's association. That's association. And the more ridiculous it is, the more effective it can be. Well, I guess looking at the clouds is almost uh, that type of memory, right? Like seeing, oh, that cloud reminds me of this. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like you can think of crazy things, even though it's completely different, you know, and you're not going to forget that. It's the, the crazier, the better. So it's just like sensory memory has different components for different types of input working. Sensory memory and working memory are similar in that they can be received in a couple different ways, just like the the sense input. So visual and spatial information like pictures and maps are processed in the aptly named Visio-Spatial Sketchpad. Isn't that cool? That would be a cool band name, Mm Visio-Spatial Sketchpad. It's literally your brain draws an image inside it. That's why, that's why they call it a sketch pad. Well, verbal information, meaning words and numbers, are processed in the phonological loop or the phonological loop. So that's a perfect example of um, a phonological loop is repeating a phone number to yourself or a, a code until you have to put it in your phone or something. So like one two five nine seven one two five nine seven one two five nine seven. That's a phonological loop. I had to do that for. Um the Greek alphabet recently. I had to memorize it all down. And it was just the repeating of it over and over in chunks and chunks and just playing it over and over and over again until it's stuck. Exactly. That is a phonological loop and it's an actual tactic to remember things. And it's and it's giving yourself the hearing. It's giving yourself the, the brain memory, that muscle memory inside. And um, even on your mouth, just saying it over and over and like kind of a rhythm to it, that your brain really likes that. Your brain is thanking you for that. It Love helps you remember things. The brain is a great thing. The, the brain is a great thing. So you know how earlier I talked about the you have different senses coming in and you ask like, oh, it's a mix of everything. So we actually have someone to coordinate the eff- efforts of the visuospatial sketchpad and the phonological loop. And it's called the central executive. And it fills the role. And you can think of him like a traffic cop who directs components of working memory once the central executive tells the visuospatial sketchpad and phonological loop um, when they create an integrated representation of what the memory is. So this is going to lead us into long-term memory. So it's a kind of a combination of everything recalling facts like a computer. So if you think about it, RAM is your applications running in the background, you know, and it can pull it up really quick. Long-term memory, you have to go into a folder to pull it out. That's essentially what your brain does. A brain is like a computer. So long-term memory is the final stage in the info processing model. When it gets in here, it's like hitting the save button on a computer. So it doesn't work perfectly. That's why history gets mixed up and and like whisper down the lane is so like um, not unreliable, you know. Um, There are different components that specialize in different types of memories. So we have explicit and implicit. So explicit memories are, for example, are facts or events that you can clearly explicitly describe. So anytime you like need to recall like a fact or like a date or a vocab definition, you can pull it up. Whereas... Implicit memories are like a little bit fuzzier and they involve things that you may not be able to articulate, such as how to ride a bicycle, like processes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's things like definitive and then there's process based. So like what's another thing that you could like 
there's bike riding, there's how to tie a shoe. You don't even think about it. You just do it. No. Yeah. Uh, handwriting, um, even speaking. Eating, cutting eating, food. Like learning a language. Like um, I speak Spanish also, and I'm just at the point where I'm crossing into, I don't have to think about English to speak Spanish. I just speak Spanish. You know, that's, that is an implicit memory of, of knowing a knowledge. And you can shift between explicit to implicit. Because they one factors into the other. One factors into the other. One Explicit memories will grow into implicit memories if you practice them enough times. That's why things get easier with practice and time. So that's the basic concept of, of memory. You have sensory working and long-term memory all providing your brain to be like this supercomputer. You know, the brain, and my last fact here, which is a very, very nice note to end on, it might be true that you can't process any more information in the moment, um, unlike a computer can do so much. That was my laundry. <laughs> um, but there is no limit to how much your brain can memorize. No limit at all. I think we're done. Oh, wait, no, we're not. You went to the next one. I think we're good. Yeah. All right. Your brain has no limit to how much it can memorize. So everybody push your brain to the max. You can keep doing it. Maybe another episode we're going to talk about some crazy methods to memorize crazy amounts of, of pie or other details. Well, we should do a contest to see how much pie we can learn. Between each other? Yeah, absolutely. I can do 3.14159 That's it. That's a lot, Thomas. That's a good start. But I think <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> I think that's all we have for this episode of Two Top, right? Yeah, I think we're good. This is so funny. Normally, so we're in a, where we are when we do this is we're in a, like a studio in the back of the tech center because it's just convenient. It has an audio setup. It has a mixer board. It's big enough to shoot all these cameras. Basically soundproof. But no one normally walks past here. No, it's pretty isolated. <laughs> but um, just two guys just walked by and it was the guy who signed me into this place and I could just I wasn't paying attention to it but I could just like feel all of a sudden his line of sight just like burn into burn my through that because there's two little windows in here I feel like we're like guinea pigs in a little box here it's fun I enjoy it yeah I like yeah. it too it's toasty in here though which is annoying yeah which means <laughs> it's time for us to go but I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of two top hope you can remember what what you learned today <laughs> And, you know, we'll have some good stuff coming your way. We have some great stuff coming your way, actually. We some, have a uh, Patreon-submitted topic coming Yeah. Up. And there might be a special Halloween project in the works. And video projects. And I have a, a secret project of my own that I want to do. Lots of projects. Uh, October and November will be an interesting month. Absolutely. But for now, this is what we have for you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed. See ya. This was Two Top, an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg and produced by Thomas Lance. Two Top is currently a non-funded project recorded weekly. For general inquiries or feedback, contact us at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks and join us next week for another Two Topics.